It's a true story. True story. Of seven strangers. Pick to live in a loft. And find out what happens. When people stop being polite. Could you get the phone? And start getting real. The real world has reunited. Hi. Hi, welcome back. It's the real world homecoming episode five. It's all about us. It's all about us and not just about Becky. Yeah, definitely (laughs) not just about Becky again. (laughs) Definitely. This episode definitely did not feel like it was all about Becky. (laughs) No. No, it actually didn't. It it did have a lot of fun moments. It had some funny stuff. And they did talk about the other roommates as well. It just felt it's like when Becky comes into the picture, it's like a cloud. It is, yeah. That, that's like all anybody can talk about, and the conversation is just really centered around that. And it sucks all the joy out of the room and out of the television. <laughs> <laughs> but we got off to a good start. Wicked Games was playing. I never dreamed that I'd meet somebody like you. That's right. Right at the beginning, I really I like feel that. like this episode, and maybe I was just oblivious the last one. But I feel like they really came to play with the music in this episode. Yeah, it was really good. Like, there were a lot of really great 90s songs playing. They were like, one of my favorites is Don't Sweat the Technique. And that was on there. (laughs) Don't Sweat the Technique. But, of course, we start the episode back to the living room in the loft talking about Becky. Yep. They just revisit the conversation that we ended on where Kevin is talking to all the roommates and seeing if they're open to having a talk with Becky. And Norman is like, because he's probably the one that would be most bothered by that just because he's closest to Becky and he's the most hurt by her leaving. Yeah, he's definitely hurt. And that comes across in this episode. Yeah, and he says, he's like, when I die on CNN, it's going to say Norman from the real world has died. He's like, that's how connected we all are. Yeah. But then they're also like, hurt people, hurt people. So she must have something going on Mm -hmm. inside herself. Andre mentioned that he had texted Becky and she did not respond back. Yeah, so now Andre, Julie, Norm, and Kevin have all reached out to Becky and the only person that she's responded to is Julie. Yeah. Which Heather says, of course it's Julie. (laughs) She's like, there's a reason, you know, that she's the one that that she responded to. Of course, I think she's meaning in that way that Julie doesn't really have a dog in this fight, Mm -hmm. you know, and she probably, Becky probably feels that Julie is going to be the easiest person to talk to. Yeah. And potentially the most impartial. I don't really know what Becky's motivation would be there. Yeah. And then we find out, that maybe Julie is a bit of a control freak. Yeah, it was really funny because Heather was saying that, you know, that this is kind of why Julie, because she couldn't resist texting Becky because she needs to know what's going on. She needs to know where Becky is and what's going on in her mind and all of that stuff. She's like, because back in the day, Julie used to go through the garbage and read production notes just to see if there was anything planned. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. And they showed some unseen footage of her, you know, sleuthing. Yeah, her clips <laughs> her clips from back in the day. And Julie says she doesn't really think that she is, but that she may be showing some signs of she's, being a control freak. Yeah, she's like, maybe there's something there. She's like, 
I do feel that I need to know things ahead of time so that I can prepare for how I need to deal with things. And let me tell (laughs) you, I relate to that. I was going to say that's right up your alley. It definitely is. And for me, I don't think it's so that I can control a situation, but I definitely like to know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I don't want to walk in on something not knowing if I could have known. And for me, it's about mentally preparing. I just need to know, like, if I'm going to a party and it's at my friend's house and my friend knows that this other person's going to be there that I don't necessarily feel comfortable around, I would appreciate a heads up on that. Very controlling. (laughs) Is that controlling? I don't know if that's controlling. I guess I've always kind of related to Julie, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing it more and more now. I don't think that's necessarily controlling. You just like to be prepared. Right. It's not that I'm necessarily going to like not go to the party if this person's going to be there. But I just don't want to walk in and like be suddenly face to face with them and totally unprepared. But Heather says Julie has a second job. It's being nosy. Being nosy. (laughs) (laughs) And then like Julie's in her ITM and production whispers, but you are a control freak. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. I can't even imagine what she puts the producers through then. (laughs) So Heather is saying more how she just kind of feels removed from the conversation about Becky. Mm -hmm. She's like, I don't want to go down roads. I've already been down. Like, I just want to keep moving. Eric also thinks that Becky deep down is suffering. And that's kind of making its way out with this whole situation. Yeah. But Kevin's like, you know, this is probably the last time that we're all going to ever get together mm-hmm. like this. He's like, and this is how it's going to end. Like that made somebody me sad. just leaves. Yeah. I know. Well, I was like, no, don't like, let no, it no, be no. the last time. We've got to do it again in 10 years. <laughs> but I get he's probably meaning like never again will everyone participate in this, I bet. Yeah. You know, that's probably the case now. It probably is. So then we kind of get away from the heavy discussion. Heather's like, I want to have fun. She's like, Julie and Kevin ruined the party. (laughs) Yeah, they ruined the party. And Norm's like, I need some libations. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. They got the right person in there for that. They do. She's like, don't ruin happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) And then Heather's like in her ITM talking about how, you know, she's just always wanted everybody to get along. That she doesn't want to be shady. But whenever she decides she's going to be shady, she puts on her shades that have the gold fringe on the sides. Yeah, they got gold fringe on both sides flowing down. So good. They're so good. And then we skip to the message. In 1992, the decisions you made to share your personal lives were unprecedented and brave. But did this bravery have unintended consequences in your lives after the show? And then they show Norm. Yeah. The big Norm section here. Yes. We cut back to Norm in the 90s, and he's explaining his sexuality to the camera. And he's talking about how he says that he's bisexual and he says that he's gay. Then they cut to my favorite scene. Finally. It has happened to me. That skating scene Ah, from the original. From the original 1992 season when Julie, Heather, and Norm go skating and they're dancing around and having the best time singing at the top of their lungs. What I love is that Norman actually called this out on Instagram a week or two ago. Yes. How when it was CBS All Access and we were watching The Real World and they showed that scene, it was a different song they were playing. They weren't playing that. And I was like, am I just misremembering this? I think I even talked about this 
We did. We talked uh, about it on a different podcast. On the original yeah, when we, episode. We originally covered it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, I swear that it was that song. It's like the Mandela effect. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, <laughs> he's like, what song were they really playing? And he had like a little poll thing. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so this time they actually played the CC Peniston song. So I was very happy. And they also cut back to previous scenes of Heather talking about how when you're hanging out with Norman, you almost feel like you're a kid, like you're free. And they were getting emotional watching it. Like they kept cutting back to them watching themselves on the couch. And it was just so sweet. I love that whole scene. That's where Norm says he thinks they lost a lot of ratings back then due to him. That's when people shut the TV off. It makes me so sad to know that he thinks that, even Mm -hmm. though I don't know if that's true or not, but I just hate that he even thinks it. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good feeling at all. And Heather asks him now, like, what it was like for him to go back home after coming out on national television or international television. Yeah, like 144 countries. (laughs) Yeah. And Norm's like, my friends that liked me in the third grade and that went to my church and all of that, they all left him. They all left him. And he, of course, starts crying, Mm -hmm. as I would. And then they cut back to more scenes from the 90s where he's telling about how he was bullied for being gay when he was young. And then back to the loft and he's like, it's easier to be a bully in this world than it is to stand out. Right. I thought that was really well said. It was. And it was like easier to just watch him get beat up than to help him. Right. It's sad because it's like, in a way, he's kind of defending the friends that left him behind. But he's just like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And sadly, he says it's by the grace of God that he moved out of the school because otherwise he would have been one that would have taken his life. Yeah. And of course, all of that was super emotional. It was, yeah. And Eric chimes in. He says he understands the fear that comes along with that level of vulnerability, like that fear of being attacked or judged. Yeah. Then Norm says, you know, the sad thing is that even the gay community turned on him. Yeah, that was a surprise to hear. Because he said that they said he was a coward because of how he labeled himself. Right. And he's like, you know, people take little steps so that the big steps can happen. Mm -hmm. But he's like... I'm sorry that I didn't say it the way I was supposed to label myself the way that I was supposed to. He's like, I'm just here trying to tell my story, you know? Mm -hmm. Kevin is talking about a lot of his friends who were gay or lesbian or transgender, talking about the violence and the emotional abuse that they endured as kids. He had no idea before all this. And then Norman's talking about a different pandemic that was going on, which was AIDS, and just how his community kind of showed him about activism. and Yeah, because he said he was very active in ACT UP and Queer Nation, which were trying to bring visibility to that. Yes. He's like, there was nobody for them to look up to. There was no Elton John or Katie Lang who were out at the time to see as like, I don't know, a guidepost or even just to give you comfort and make you feel like... Somebody's like me. Right. He's like, but MTV, you know, like you said before, was in 144 countries. So this was a huge opportunity to share the voice of the gay community. He's like, I didn't invent gay, obviously, but I was, you know, the first person that had this platform. Yeah. And Kevin said then that Norman spoke for a lot of people and gave them courage. Yeah. And they're talking about just how powerful the story is and how it's just such a tremendous burden that Norman has had to carry. And it was just really nice to hear them having this discussion. Yeah, to see all of their different viewpoints on it, Mm -hmm. you know, relating back to how it was then and how it is now. Yeah, and how now they understand just how significant and how important Norman being on this show, this first reality show on TV, it was just so impactful. It was. I feel like I say impactful a lot when I talk about this show, but it's just 
It was impactful. It was. <laughs> there was a lot of impact. Kevin was talking to Andre about Becky again. So we switch over to that. And he's just saying, like, there's nothing crazy that was said. Right. And Andre feels like it's all fair game. There's no excuses. And Norman's saying just how exhausted he is and how emotionally drained and how he feels guilty. And then Andre says she should not have removed herself from the situation. And because she did, they should remove her from the conversation. Agree. Totally agree. He's like, don't dwell on it. Exactly. And Heather, you know, she's like, yes. She's like, Andre understands what time thieving is. Don't let anybody rob you of your time. Mm -hmm. And that is such a good thing to remember because I know so many times in my life when something's going on, it is so hard to think about anything else other than that thing and that person that's upsetting you. Yeah. It's one of my biggest struggles is shutting off something that's bothering me. I struggle so much with doing it. That's why you need to start meditating. I've got a day left before. (laughs) I've got a day left to do it. That's right. You said you were going to do that. That Mm -hmm. was your homework. I thought about it today. (laughs) (laughs) So then we got some more fun stuff. Heather and Norm are dancing in the kitchen. Oh, Heather's telling Andre. She's like, Norman says that Google and Wikipedia have ruined all the old story tells. Yeah. (laughs) Santa. It's not real. Wikipedia says it's not. Right, right. (laughs) That's what Norm is saying. (laughs) (laughs) Just random, but I love that little tidbit. Yeah, that's good. Then Andre pops on FaceTime with Sophie again. Sophie! (laughs) She wants to see his friends and the fishes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it because they go over to Heather and Heather's telling Sophie how nice her hair looks today. And Sophie's like, I like your hair. (laughs) And Heather's like, yes, we both have nice hair today. I just love that little interaction. Then we get into Kevin talking about marriage. So they go back to the 90s and they're asking Kevin his thoughts on marriage. And at the time he's saying, you know, that he wanted to get married, but you don't know who you can trust because it's a serious commitment and just how he's not so sure that people of his generation are really into that kind of commitment. Yeah. And then we cut back and he's chatting with Andre and he's saying how marriage is just not in his vocabulary now, which I thought meant he doesn't want to get married. But I found out later that's not true. Right. Then we find out Kevin did get married. Yeah. He he called himself the eternal bachelor, but he did get married for about three years. Yeah. He said it shocked everybody because it sounded like it was pretty quick. Yeah. But he said while he hasn't had success, he's not giving up on it. He's going to find that person that's out there for him. Yeah. And Andre's giving him a little pep talk. He is. It was a cute little conversation. (laughs) Then you find out that Andre is, Andre does all the cooking at his house. Yeah. Heather's like, Andre, you're amazing in the kitchen. And (laughs) He says that he does all the cooking because he's a snob. He's a snob, he said. (laughs) (laughs) I guess like he just makes fun of his wife for whatever she tries to make. (laughs) That was just a nice little conversation because Heather's asking like how he and his wife met and how he proposed and all of that. So we find out that they met in a restaurant and that Andre proposed in Napa. So Heather was very pleased Mm -hmm. and impressed with that. But then he tells her that they got engaged after 10 years. Yeah, he made her wait. He didn't want to settle down, he said. Well, she must have just known that he was the one. That's a long time to wait for an engagement. Yes, it is. Then we have another incoming message. Yeah, Eric's with us on FaceTime Yeah, he's now. dancing, showing he's... he's still got those grind moves. I wrote down that he's dancing like he's not on the grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's lost a little bit of that rhythm. <laughs> no offense, Eric. No offense, Eric. Just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> just kidding. The message reads, most of the conflict on reality TV shows is verbal in nature. Unfortunately, back in 1992, the conflict in this loft 
became weaponized. Yeah, and this went somewhere that I did not think it was going to go. I yeah. thought they were going to talk about the Kevin and Julie fight. Yeah, like down because he threw something. Oh, that's right. When well, he s- allegedly threw allegedly. something, yeah, but we it don't wasn't know. caught on camera. Mm-hmm. But actually, what do they break out with? A water guns. Water guns. <laughs> they show the whole scene. There was a great scene in season one where they just have this huge water gun fight. They take it out to the streets. Like it starts in the loft. They go out to the streets. They're watching and they're all laughing and they're like, we were doing that outside. Yeah. And I feel like I said that even when we watched it. I was like, I feel like they could not do that now. Exactly. Even though they're colorful water guns, but still they're just running around shooting at people and <laughs> they're like shooting water at somebody in a cab. And then we find find out too that they even went to eric's work he was working at macy's he he was doing cologne he was up on like this platform yes squirting cologne for people (laughs) and julie came there and started blasting him (laughs) with the water gun i love it (laughs) but then as they're watching all of a sudden julie and heather bust out the water guns both of them (laughs) (laughs) i think it would have been better if they all would have had them well she said she brought them for everyone but only filled two of them yeah (laughs) It was was, fun. That was a fun throwback. It was. (laughs) So now they're leaving the loft. Sowing the Seeds of Love is playing. I love that song. And they head over to the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar that was raided in 1969. So they were reading the plaque out front. Yeah. So this may not be exactly word for word, but it's talking about how patrons and the crowd resisted the raid and it marked change for LGBTQI Americans. And there's a Black Trans Lives Matter event happening in front of the Stonewall. Yeah, right then. Yeah. And so Heather's just talking about how you always find those moments in New York. And then a little bit later, it cuts back to them at the loft. And now the march has made it to the loft. So they're all hanging out the windows and yelling and supporting them. And it was just kind of a magical moment. It gave me chills. Yeah, it was a good moment. And they throw back to some of the rallies that they went to when they were on the show and Julie talking about how all of that really shaped her views going forward, which is no big surprise. But I'm really glad (laughs) that she didn't go back to Alabama unchanged. You know, yeah, and she mentions, you know, her daughter is a big protester. She keeps a list of all of the big protests that she's gone to and ones she wants to go to. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> the um, producer is asking Julie if she thinks that she gets that from her, and Julie doesn't really say anything. But then they show flashbacks to Julie when she befriended Darlene, who was a homeless woman. Yeah, uh, and they just had like a nice, sweet little relationship. And even though Julie was so young, she understood that if she went somewhere the cameras would follow her. So she had decided, I'm going to go be here and shine a light on what's happening, the homelessness in New York. So then we cut to the next day. Kevin and Andre are working out and Kevin asks Heather if she wants to work out as well. And she's like, nope. Nope. Well, then he asks her, he's like, didn't you play basketball? And she's like, no. She used to run track. She was on the bowling team. Yes. And said she's still a great bowler. Still a great bowler. And she was a cheerleader and a... Strutter. Strutter as well. Yes. And they showed some great flashback photos of her. Yeah, those were cool. And then... Back to Julie, who's going to go talk to Becky. Yeah, she's letting Norm know. Letting Norm know. And Norm tells her that she's a magical unicorn. She's a magical (laughs) unicorn. Which is what I would like for you to start telling me every time I'm about to do something that's hard. I feel like I do tell you you're a magical unicorn. That's true. I just want to hear it even more. Oh, okay. (laughs) Noted. 
you know, a norm saying how he's still trying to process this and that he doesn't even know if she's still a friend. Yeah. So Julie's heading over and they're playing Tom's Diner. I am sitting in the morning at the diner on the corner. I am I, I wrote down, I was sitting in a round room song playing. <laughs> what? I don't know the name of that song. It's just, I was sitting in a round room and was looking for a corner. <laughs> Do they say? Don't they say that? <laughs> I'm sure that's part of that song. <laughs> well, some of those words are in the song. <laughs> it makes sense. Oh my god! <laughs> She's got a problem. She's in a round room looking for a quarter. She's in a- <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh man! She's at the diner on the corner. Oh, a diner on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> listen i don't listen to lyrics <laughs> that's right you're all about the feel all about how the does feel. that song make you feel like i'm sitting in a round room looking for a corner and i just can't find one because there isn't one to find are you also wearing a straight jacket <laughs> <laughs> yes that's what i'm picturing <laughs> they missed an opportunity for that music video <laughs> Oh, whew. so this was, uh, <laughs> sorry, I have to collect myself and get back to some serious talk here. Um, so they flash back to Julie talking about the aftermath of Kevin and Becky's initial argument. Yeah. And just how, you know, it started political and then it went deeper. And it's funny because it's kind of the same. It's like she feels for Kevin and she feels for Becky and she just wants everybody to work it out. So this is kind of why she's here Mm -hmm. also because she needs to control the situation (laughs) she does (laughs) we find out becky's been hanging out with a old producer yes danielle i thought that was interesting i'm like i would have loved to hear all of that because i'm sure becky was probably just trashing the show that's a one-sided conversation for sure (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be one opinion although i don't know if danielle has hard feelings about the show they could have just joined together and been karen's together i don't know (laughs) sorry (laughs) Well, we don't know that about Danielle. That's true. I don't want to tarnish her name. That's right. Becky's saying how she feels like she's gained a friend in Julie now because she was the only one defending her. Mm -hmm. And she just feels like the others haven't grown up. (laughs) She doesn't want to fight and it just makes her feel bad. This isn't a confessional, but Julie's saying how it really would have benefited Becky to have watched their season before coming back because she's like, it was very clear to all of us. That we would be watching clips and then we would be revisiting all of this. But Becky didn't do that. So she didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. And I was sitting there like shaking my head like, mm hmm. Yep. As <laughs> Julie was saying that, because I was like, yeah, you knew what was coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Becky's like, there's fighting for things. And then there's bickering and arguing and hurtful things. And then this is where she says that she's not there to be the poster girl for white privilege. Mm hmm. That she works hard and she loves to travel. There's the traveling again. And she's not a racist and that she was genuinely hurt. And then Julie says, some things don't have to be that deep. You know, you don't have to agree on everything. But then in her confessional, Julie's like, I held back. She's just thrown in the towel. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I just. I was surprised. I didn't say what I really felt. Yeah. I feel like I'm guilty of doing that as well. Like. Me too. Having a strong opinion about something, but also avoiding conflict. We talked about that before. Nodding your head like. "Mm -hmm." Yeah. It's like (laughs) she'll get into it if she has a big group of people. But when it's one on one like that, she just felt like she didn't want to get into it with Becky. So she didn't want to be like, you're wrong. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because I also, when I see that type of situation personally, I kind of weigh out where I think it's going to go. Yeah. How much value is going to come out of this argument that I'm about to have? Right. I could, quote unquote, win the argument and we'll just hate each other forever. Yes. Well, and I think she can see that Becky is not going to ever back down from this. She's not going to change her mind. Right. So what's the point? So what's the point? You know, she's like, I know that I should be pushing back, but... I just don't think I have the energy to do it. Yeah. And I can't blame her there. But at the same time, I don't know what she really thought she was going to accomplish. Yeah. If she wasn't ready to have that discussion, well, maybe she was just going to listen to her. Yeah. Or she wanted some other goodbye. Like she didn't want it to end like that. Right. And I do appreciate the fact that Julie does truly care about the fact that they all agreed going in that they were going to back each other up and be there for each other and all of that. But I also see, I see the rest of their point and that, you know, she chose to leave. Yeah. So at this point, it's like, I can't keep backing her up. You know, she removed herself. Mm -hmm. So then we're back in the loft. It's Heather and Kevin talking. And Heather says the last time they saw each other, Heather and her hubby were just dating. Yeah. And Kevin says he believes in love and likes how Heather and Andre both talk about their partners and they interact with them constantly. Yeah, they seem to have friendships with their partners and he really likes what he sees. Yeah. It really touched his heart, he said. He kind of touches on his marriage, saying that it crashed quickly and they just handled things differently because they were brought up differently. Yeah, which, you know, that does happen. But he's saying how they didn't really discuss the non-negotiables, the deal Mm -hmm. breakers beforehand, which are huge, you know. And Heather's like, yeah, you really got to work out those deal breakers before you lock it down. Yeah. You know, I guess he wanted to have children and I guess she didn't. I don't know. He didn't really say, but obviously that was part of it. Then Heather's kind of talking more about her marriage and how she had to learn how to be happy with herself before she could be happy with anybody else. As you always hear, that's what you need to do, you know, to really have a healthy relationship. Which I think is true. I think it's true as well. She's saying how marriage has really grounded her because they show clips of her in 92 saying. She can't see herself married. Yeah. (laughs) No. But, you know, she's saying how her husband has been a big blessing. And even though she's in the public eye, like she likes to kind of keep that part of her life private. Right. Which is why we didn't know until now that she was married. Good job, Heather. (laughs) She may talk about it on her radio show and stuff like that. I don't know. Then we find out Kevin got divorced during COVID. Yeah. So it must have been during the summer, I think he said. Yes. He was saying that they were separated the last year of his marriage and then they got divorced and how he didn't really understand when people said that divorce is like a death. Yeah. But and then Heather's like, well, it says it in the name. (laughs) Divorced. Divorced. And yeah, I mean, I can see where he's coming from. It's a very unique feeling to go through. You've been through that. I have been through it. So it's not something I'll ever experience again. And I'm happy about that. (laughs) But I can see how things just are totally different. That person's totally not cut off from you. <laughs> in your home anymore. You yeah. know, it's yeah. It's an immediate and abrupt change to what normal was. So right. it's, it's really hard to describe to somebody. But it is the closest thing you can say. It's like going through a death because that person's just out of your life now. It's gone. Right. It's changed. Whatever was there, it's, it's just gone. Now, there was a big debate about this on The Real Housewives of New York. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of see both sides of it. I haven't been through divorce, so I don't know that feeling. Obviously, it's different because, you know, usually yeah. with divorce, I mean, not always, but but most times you choose it. Right. I mean, you might not if the other person decides to leave and you don't have that choice or something, yeah. but it's a little different. If the argument is it's not as bad as death, I agree with that. Yeah, that's... It's not as severe, right. you know? It's just like the phases that you go through are similar. 
you know, it, and it's it, like it grief. feels it yeah, is, the, it is the just stages of grief. So it's exactly just going through these stages of grief. Yes. It's not as severe as a death. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. Right. Well, and you know, the real housewives are always a little more dramatic than normal no. people. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I could picture Ramona saying that. (laughs) (laughs) It actually wasn't Ramona, but. This time it wasn't. (laughs) But yeah, Kevin is saying how, you know, he loves how Andre FaceTimes with his wife and daughter every day and that he does want to get married again. He says he will get married again. Yes, he's determined. And Uh, tells Heather, hey, in a few months, if you got any friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hook him up. (laughs) This I thought was funny. It cuts to Andre talking on the phone with his wife, but he's like kind of off camera. He's in this back room. (laughs) And he's talking about just how he's been playing guitar and writing some songs. And then he's like, just this whole Becky situation has been a drag. And then all of a sudden he realizes... That there's a camera there. You could see him look down. He's like, that's a camera. And then he like <laughs> looks on the side. He has to see like a light or something. Yeah. And he's like, huh, but it, it wasn't pointed right at me, I guess. And you can, <laughs> he's like, I need to get off the phone. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, my gosh, they got me. <laughs> Which is so funny to me that they think that there's anywhere that's safe in there. Yeah. So Julie's back and they all kind of gather around to hear what she has to say. She's saying, you know, Becky felt more like this was going to be a big chill vibe, just hanging out, that they weren't going to really revisit it the way that it happened in the past. So she was caught off guard. So they're all just kind of talking about it, you know. And Julie tells them that Becky is wanting an opportunity to come on screen like Eric and have a conversation with everyone. Yeah, on FaceTime. Norm says it's okay. Andre's like, if she can talk on screen, she can talk in person. Yeah, he's given no quarter. He's like, yeah, why not here? Why can't she just be here? <laughs> Kevin's like, he's not into throwing away people, but he wants to talk to her one-on-one first. You know, he's like, this is why I agreed to do this because I wanted to resolve some things. Yeah, he doesn't want to be a hypocrite. Yeah, so he leaves to go FaceTime. But while they're waiting, and this is where Eric says, he's just not so sure that he wants to share a screen with someone, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that made me laugh. (laughs) And then uh, they kind of point out Heather. They're like, well, we haven't heard from Heather yet. She's like, huh? Yeah, she's she's nodding. He's sitting there chopping onions the entire time. She gives zero Fs. And Julie's like, well, I'm not moving on with this without Heather. And Heather's like, no. She's like, I'm not in this. She's like, she's available. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, if she pops on screen and I'm available... I'll listen. But, you know, she's just like. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She she said she's not interested. She doesn't have that kind of time. Yeah. Again, like we said before, she's a loyal person. And if she sees that you're not, then she's done. And then they cut to her putting the shade glasses on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, I'm being shady again. That's a little shady. (laughs) (laughs) And then when the FaceTime call is ringing throughout, Andre yells through the loft, could you get the phone? (laughs) Could you get the phone? Which was so great. That's fun. It's like my favorite Heather moment ever from season one. Could you get the phone? Well, I don't know. Her being dragged by Gouda down the streets of New York is pretty great. Yeah. Pretty classic. I feel like I saw a clip of that this week somewhere. Yeah, on our Instagram page. Oh, that's right. That's where it was. Good job. I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I posted something about that this week. <laughs> you did not take in credit for all my hard work. It's Just not. so everyone knows, it's all her on the Instagram. <laughs> I don't do anything except try to be the first person to like everything. That is That's true. my goal. Every time I post, it's like he immediately, and I don't even know how he does it sometimes. Sometimes it looks like his phone's like across the room from him and somehow he's liked it. <laughs> it's all the force. <laughs> So they show scenes of Kevin and Becky back in 92 trying to resolve it, and it just didn't work. Mm -mm. But Kevin's sitting on the floor in the bathroom having this FaceTime call with her. And I don't know, we really want to say word for word everything that was said, but basically she's just saying, you know, I was told one thing about how this was going to be, 
And instead, I came to this loft and it's like the producers filled it with gas and lit a match. Yeah. She's like, it was a belittlement of your intelligence and mine. She's like, we're 50 years old. We're not blah, 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 blah. She's like, she doesn't want to be a part of that kind of reality show. Like a reality show <laughs> where you actually see yeah. what somebody's about. She doesn't want to be a part of that. Right. So Kevin's Oh, just... wait, I just put my shade glasses on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin's saying he understands, but for him, as a black man who went through such horrific responses about what happened on the show and how he was depicted on the show, he really felt like he needed this closure. Yeah. He needed to have this conversation. And especially in light of everything that's happened in the country, you know, and that people are starting to come out and tell him that they're seeing things differently. Right. You know, when they look at those conversations that were had back then. But this is a burden that he's had to carry for 30 years. Yeah. So he's just trying to get some kind of a, a resolution. Right. So Kevin brings up a point that she always has to have a response that she's not this or not that and to try and prove why she's not this or that. Rather than being introspective and thinking, oh, maybe I'm not perfect. And also realizing it's not about her. Yeah. It's not about her. Right. She goes back and says, you know, I've always been on your side, but he just doesn't want to accept it or believe it. Right. And again goes and says like that she has a great bond with her friends, her black friends, her white friends, her Latino friends, and that it's not a problem with them and that he just doesn't have the right perspective on who she is. And again, says that she can't be the poster girl for white privilege anymore in their conversations. And what does he say? Then don't be. Then don't be. And she's like, that's coming from you. If no. you, He's like, if you really care, and I think that you do, then you just might want to reframe the language. Like saying, I have black friends or I go to this black dance group. And she's like, well, this is just your perception. He's like, no. You know, and she's like, well, then you just don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, stop being defensive, you know, and feeling like you have something to prove. You know, like, I'm not this, I'm not that. Like you said before, he's saying, you know, if you're on my side, this is your time to say something to other white people, challenge your education. And he's saying, like, I love you. And she's like, you're telling me how to be. Yeah. <laughs> she just keeps saying that. You're telling me how to be. And he's like talking about racism and classism. And she's like, I don't always function in isms. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? I don't function in isms. That's when the conversation starts to break down. So at this point, Kevin tells her she needs to read the book White Fragility by... Robin D'Angelo. Yeah. And then she's like, I'm not fragile. <laughs> like, and then hangs the phone up on him. Yeah. It just, he's trying to show her. I also, you mentioned this too, how he keeps saying ma'am. <laughs> yeah, he's calling her ma'am. Ma'am. Ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what's pissing her off. I don't it know. Could be. She just has no ability to take criticism. And I get it. Like, I get the wanting to defend yourself. But all she needed to do in this situation is listen. Listen. Just like they've been saying. If she had just ever admitted for one second, like, you know what, Kevin? Maybe you're right. Maybe I do need to look at myself. Maybe I do need to challenge myself. Maybe I do need to read that book. Yeah, it's okay not to be perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't claim to understand everything or to say everything properly or be as educated as I should be. But you better believe that if somebody was challenging me like that, I would be able to accept that and listen. Yeah, and have and a conversation about it. it. Be like, that's interesting. You know, what's your viewpoint? What's your evidence of this in me? And have a conversation about at least their perception of me, true or not. Yes. You know, from what we've been shown, it is a true perception of her. Right. Well, and like, 
I wouldn't want anyone to have that perception of me. So please help me change this because I don't want to be that person. You know, even if you don't feel in your heart that you are that person, if you're coming off that way, maybe you should look at yourself a little more closely. Right. There's just no introspection there at all. No. But Kevin says, like, she lives in a bubble Mm -hmm. and she's divorced from reality. (laughs) And he's upset because he wants the cameras off for a little bit. Yeah, it hit him pretty hard, harder than I actually thought it would. Yeah, he's upset. He's saying, you know, that black people are tired of teaching white people about racism. Mm -hmm. So he comes out to the living room and sits on the couch and doesn't say anything to anyone. And he looks really upset. Yeah, and I think everybody's just kind of giving him some space. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see these two people walk into the loft that are not a part of the crew. And I'm like, who's that? Yeah. And they come over and it's some producers and they're asking if he wants to talk. And he says he wants to leave. And it ends with that. Yeah. I don't think he's going to leave. I just think he's probably upset. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's like, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's just probably really frustrated. Yes. But from previews, it looks like next week is the last week anyway. It could be. Which is sad. I don't want it, it to sad. be over. Me either. I figured we'd get eight episodes. I know. But it looks like, you know, they're having a party and they're having a 90s party, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we love. Yes, we do. But they do show Kevin crying in the next one. And also the doorbell rings. Yeah, is somebody there? (laughs) Heather's like, Eric, are you about to walk through this door? And he's like on a FaceTime call in the room. Got his big glasses on. (laughs) Yeah. But then the door opens. And I mean, I don't know if it's Becky. I don't know who else it would be. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think it'll be Eric. I think it's too early from a COVID standpoint. Yeah, that would be some trickery since they were FaceTiming with him. Yeah. Now, he could have been in the hallway FaceTiming. We don't know that. But it looks like he's in his hotel room. It did look like that. It would be amazing if it was him. It would. I really hope it is. That would be really oh, amazing. Oh, my gosh. I just don't think Becky would walk in after all that. I don't either. I don't know who it's going to be. Was there anyone else associated with the show like that was around a lot? Um, Eric's sister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like it was just like different people that were associated with the cast, but it wasn't like a... There was no other characters. Yeah. I guess we'll see. It's Gouda back from the dead. Gouda. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So that's it. They also had a message on the screen at the end that said that if you want to find out how to get involved in the movement for racial justice, that you can go to colorofchange.org. So we just wanted to pass that along as well. This one was heavy. It was, yeah. It's a good episode, though. It was good. And there were some... Light moments, too. I mean, they do a pretty good job of the ones that, I mean, I guess they've all kind of been heavy. Mm -hmm. And then they... They lighten the mood. They sprinkle in. Yeah, a little sprinkle. (laughs) Yeah. Of humor and... Fun. And fun, so... Great music, like I said. This was a good one. I guess we'll see what next week brings. Who's behind that door? And we'll see if it is the last episode, because I don't know for sure if it is or not. I feel like they showed somebody saying, like, I don't want this to be over, or I don't want it to be the end, or something like that, so... We shall see. So that's it for this one. And many of you may have seen, I think we talked about this before, too, that they are doing a challenge all stars, which we're very excited about. Super excited. It's all the OGs. It's coming out. Actually, it came out today as we recorded this. So there is potential that we will be covering it. But we have to make sure we can fit it into our very busy schedule. Very busy. (laughs) I've got a lot of things on my schedule. (laughs) (laughs) So look out for that. Maybe. There's also our full episode that comes out on Saturdays. 
You can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. You can email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at we don't want to grow up podcast. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. We're adding some new fun stuff to that very soon. And that's it. Is that it? That is it. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't forget anything. It's a I lot of information. Good job. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye.